Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to MSP Dispatch. You're, oh, it's not MSP Dispatch. <laughs> Live. Am I on the right show? <laughs> and this is what happens when your brain doesn't <clears throat> in the morning. Uh, I'm giving up caffeine for a little bit uh, for some medical tests. And uh, yeah, oh, man, this doesn't work. Good luck. Yeah, thanks. I'm Ray Rossini, I think, possibly. This is MSP Community Live, and I'm joined, uh, as always, by Mr. Matt Topper. How are you doing, brother? Doing awesome. Uh, as you can hear, a little congested, but we're uh, we're doing well. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate, you know, you stepping up and doing the, uh, and coming on anyway, even though you're under the weather. Uh, so thank you for that. And I see you yeah. change the background quite a bit, too. It's... Uh, it's getting it's improving every single week, man. Yeah, you know, it's turned into a hobby, so that's a, unfortunately a very expensive hobby, but it's been a, a lot of fun. <clears throat> nice. Yeah, it's uh it's never ending. Um we're house shopping now. I know I'm going to be setting up a new studio at the new house and So you get started from scratch. That's not that's a good, good thing. That's not a good thing. It's not good me. for your wallet. It's good for everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it takes me like six months to get happy with the setup. So, um, but you know, it, it hopefully it works out. But we're here to talk about community and talks and stuff. Um, what have you been up to since uh, you know the last time we saw we saw each other? Man, when was that? Like a year ago? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> So you weren't on last week. Uh, I believe you were on the week before, were you not? Or no? It was. It's been a couple of weeks. I think so. It's all a blur at this point. Um, yeah. So last week I was traveling to San Francisco and to Phoenix to do uh, presentations for ConnectWise, and I just love getting out and talking with uh, our customers and other MSPs and their businesses and hearing what's going on. Um, so it was a great time. Nice trip. Uh, I went to Phoenix and said, man, I totally get why people would want to live here now, at least when the weather is 60 degrees in February, uh, not so much during the summer. And yeah, now, we're, now we're back. Yeah. Uh, nice, dude. What, what was your, uh, what did you speak on? Any uh, interesting topics? Uh, cybersecurity. So talking about from the perspective of if you're a business owner, what do you need to know about what's going on in the industry? And, and right, the, the angle I take is, um, yes, it's it's the ConnectWise presentation, but it's not about ConnectWise, right? It's general yeah. uh, cybersecurity knowledge. Yeah, it's uh, security is a, a fun topic that literally affects everybody. So not everybody considers it, but affects everybody. Um, so it's good, man. It's good. I, I love hearing you talk and uh, definitely do a good job all the time. Uh, and speaking of talking, uh, let's talk about some stories. Um, yeah, let's see what we got up first. Uh, Y'all don't pronounce the H in Phoenix. Is there a different way the to pronounce Phoenix? <laughs> <laughs> so this first story we're going to talk about is quoting. Um, so this story is, or this Reddit post is, uh, Daniel put it on the screen. Throw out some pricing schemes for how you guys are charging for quotes. Tired of writing quotes and having them to having them pass to other companies while our clients shop around. Is there a way to look at lock a client <laughs> to a particular MSP for a given time and a contract? Oh man! And so I, I didn't even read. I wanted to save reading the post for uh, this show. Like I, I saw the headline and just pictured the internal debates I've had about this subject over the years. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't know about you. I always ended up at the same place at the end of the debate, no matter what we 
tried or thought about or tossed around that always ended up the same way. Um, and that is, you just can't charge your quotes. Like, yeah. it doesn't work. I don't... So I don't charge for quotes. Never charge for quotes. I did charge for discovery. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I absolutely charge for discovery. And what I would do is, you know, we do the the initial call, the discovery meeting, yeah. the blah, 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 identifying pain points. Blah, you know, and if it seemed like a good fit at that point, I'd pitch, okay, well, the next stage to get you a proper quote is to do a discovery on your network. Um, but the discovery that we did, I would always credit back 50% if they signed that way they had a deliverable. Right. I don't feel like project. I did nothing, no harm, no foul to either party. And they're still better off if they go to interview a different MSP because they have something in writing saying what they have and whatever, not that any other MSP wouldn't do their own discovery anyway, but it helps, yeah. you know? Um, so it's that creating the value. And honestly that turned into, um, I realized I was getting more people interested in letting me do the discovery and paying for it. And that was more productive than just, you know, doing the regular process and doing discovery during the onboarding phase. Um, I actually closed more deals because I was uh, willing to put in the work, obviously charging for it. Um, and it also, those ended up being better clients because they had budget. If they're willing to put money on the line in the beginning at the discovery phase, these are people that are willing to pay for MSP later on. Um, yeah. I, I loved it. Um, <clears throat> so we kicked around the idea of I was receiving far more quotes than I had time to do discovery on and write up and engineer and all that. And we had discussions over and over again about what this would look like. Could we charge for quotes and refund it if they signed or, or do any of that stuff? And, you know, it, it sounded good at the time to me because it was alleviating my pain point of um, spending a lot of my own time writing quotes and engineering yep. things. But just think about what that's that conversation a time suck, right? Like, like that. Oh, it's a huge time it, suck. It's like, come on, dude. And, um, and and I thought I thought great, right? I'll get some of my time. I, I won't. Um, it, it'll help my PNL at the end of the day. But think about if you're the client hearing, right? An existing client hearing. Let me get you a quote for that. It's going to be you know fifteen hundred bucks for the quote, right? Uh, how many of those do you think we ever sold? Uh, yeah, it's zero. I, I can't imagine. Um, yeah, it's so it's like when somebody I used to get grumpy about like when you called uh, or when I would call an equi uh, appliance repair person, they're like, OK, well, it's going to be a $50 visit to whatever uh, to go look at it. And provide yeah. a quote. I would Same get thing. frustrated. OK, so here's how that changes, though. And this is actually what led to my charging for discovery. They're driving out They're talking to me, that absolutely is part of the sales process. I would never charge for any of that, right? That's my opportunity. For me mm -hmm. to open and start diagnosing, that's a paid service. So that actually, that's what led me down the, if I'm going to start logging into computers, logging into switches, asking people about what's going on, I'm gonna dedicate the time to it, I'm gonna charge for it. That had the ancillary effect of, because I was charging for it, I was delivering a better finished product. I had to get those processes much more streamlined, right? Because it's not just a, you have this, this, and this, tell the client, build a quote and done. If it's a full discovery, you know, a full discovery takes you know, a couple of days, takes, it's not a small thing. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So with the appliance repair techs, if, you know, if they just wanted to charge me to give a quote over the phone or something like that, absolutely not. 
but I began to appreciate when they came out and opened the dryer and said, okay, the reason is you need this piece, this, this piece, it's going to be X amount to fix it. And even if you say no, they got to put it back together <laughs> the way it was, right? So I, I didn't mind that afterward once I thought about the whole picture. Um, and I think that's reasonable, right? If you're going to give um, detailed specs and things like that, that is different. Um the, the way we ultimately handled it, by the way, that's a really good point. The network upgrade for managing perspective clients, right? Like yeah. a managed client, uh, you'd be crazy to charge significant or really anything um, for a quote. Yeah. What we ended up doing was two things. One was training our AMs and BCIOs, right? It's a different name in almost every MSP, but whatever that position is in your organization, um, to bring to the projects team things that they were relatively sure were real opportunities and not just like we're going to toss out three ideas just because to see what, what they might cost. And the other thing was to get your project engineers, all right, the person who does the architecture and the quotes, that was me in a lot of cases, but I, I did train other people to do it the long term, to be good at start at giving budgetary estimates, right? Like mm -hmm. to say, okay, this is going to be about 10K. And be very clear, right? It could be eight, it could be 12 by the time we engineer everything. Um, yeah. Those are always free. And, and so, okay, Mr. Client, um, it's going to be in that ballpark. You want us yeah. to go through the engineering to get like the real details. Oh, that, that saved the waste. That's what eventually killed the waste of time ones for us. Yeah, we, well, that's setting the expectations up front, right? You're going to have, you're going to need this amount of budget, this amount of yeah. whatever to do this, you know, and for us, it was, you know, we're charging 180 to 50 user. Um, there's a base fee um, for X amount. And I could tell by the number of users typically in what, you know, line of business, uh, especially what LOV apps they had, I could usually flesh out in, in my head, general ballpark, what kind of equipment I'm looking at, um, yeah. and then go and whatchamacallit, and then go and, uh, you know, do that top of mind quote. Um, to Jonathan's point, uh, and I know you addressed it, I just want to go more fully, uh, quoting for managed mm -hmm. services versus server network upgrades are going to be different, right? Managed service versus prospective client. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to speak for Matt, but I'm, to me, I'm talking about pre uh, non clients, this is all discovery prospect stuff. Um, once they're an existing client, there's not often that I would have charged for any kind of quote. Um, now I, it took me six months to realize I would only do managed services, not just, uh, and not do any break fix or block hours or anything like that. Um, and so whatchamacallit, uh, we would do that, you know, we started charging for it, but once they were MSP, they're paying monthly and they're paying a, a pretty big nut monthly. Um, I didn't mind doing quotes and stuff, you know, without charging for it. What about you? The, How did you guys handle it? Yeah, pretty much the same way. The, the big thing for us was getting acceptance between the projects team and the managed services team that we would really only quote something, like do the full engineering for something that looked like it was going to be viable. And so what used to yeah. happen in the early days was you'd have an account manager say something like, hey, uh, client, our projects team will get you quotes for like full quotes for cloud and for a server replacement, right? And so yeah. now they've committed the projects team to four days of work instead of two. Um, that we had to do something about and, and really try and get the options whittled down beforehand. Um, that that was the only thing that we would push back on is trying to get the options or that conversation narrowed down before we got to the full architecture phase. 
Yeah. Uh, so I got Dean asking Kelvin. So the funny thing about Kelvin, uh, Mr. MVP and uh, Microsoft aficionado to the stars, um, Kelvin and I, when I was back uh, in my MSP days, when I first met him, we would talk about stuff in, in MRU and other stuff. And we realized we were the same damn MSP just on two different continents. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's funny because like anytime somebody asks one or the other, I'm like, if he answers, I don't have to answer because it's the same damn question. Um, so yeah, does he charge for scoping? Hell yeah. Uh, whether you're a new client or existing client, by the way, because also our deliverables aren't just, we'll do the project, we'll deliver a complete project plan, including scheduling and required knowledge. Um, Okay, that's interesting. That's a little different from what I said. I might have to amend my statement a little bit, but I want to give you a chance first, Matt. Um, does this change any of your answer at all? Because I, I realize the way I did it is slightly different than probably what he's talking about. So certainly for existing clients, um, what we delivered absolutely could be taken to another MSP. Um, right, it wouldn't have part numbers on it, but it wouldn't take very much engineering time to figure out what the parts were anyway. Yeah. And for that, we, we simply relied on the strength of our relationships that they wouldn't do it. Like from our perspective, it was if the client is going to, um, right, sh shopping hardware is one thing, but shopping a project, if they're going to do that, they're probably not a good fit for us in the first place. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed 100%. The, the reason I uh, say I need to amend my statement a little bit, absolutely all of the work required to scope it out and give a proper set of timelines and project management um, and milestones. Yeah, that's a lot of work. There's no question. Having a project manager design that out, 100% is a lot of work. I would build that into my initial quote. Um, mm -hmm. so just like I said, I can usually walk into a space and based on number of users, based on the LOB apps, based on the industry, based on what I see uh, equipment wise, I can usually get a ballpark. We, we build that fifth, that sixth sense when it comes to that, right? Um, but when they're a managed service client, I usually know most of the stuff. Um, so when there's an LOB app they want to introduce, they're changing EMR, they're changing whatever. Um, usually we already know, we've already become acquainted with what they're doing today. Um, so during the discovery process, we'll ask for um, what they need, what the minimum viable options they need to move and what the pain points are. Yeah. And then say, okay, when we're going to start discovering, it's going to take, you know, it's going to take us a week to find potential uh, things. It's going to take us, uh, you know, another week to review those and, and you know, do our due diligence and then blah, blah, blah. So I could build that all in the project plan in advance. So I didn't have a full project plan for them, but I had the grand items, right? The discovery, the pain points, the review, the validation, or I'm sorry, the due diligence and the validation with the client to make sure it meets needs and then planning out the deployment. Um, you know, but I, I could, an EMR deployment is six to 10 weeks. It's not the end of the world, depending on, you know, yeah. 50, hundred person, uh, doctor's office is what I'm talking about. I've done it for like surgical centers and that's about what it took me. So I didn't need to charge them for the planning side of it because I was doing just big pieces, right? Uh, discovery, implementation, post implementation, uh, tweaks and fixes. And then once we started doing it, yeah, but I had already built in the the real project planning time into whatever quote it's going to be. So same effect, yeah. they're still paying for it. You're just doing it a little different. Um, no, that, that's such a good point, right? We didn't come out and say it, but yes, we don't charge managed clients for quotes, but I certainly keep track of the time I spent making the engineering and tack it onto the hours estimate at the end. 
it's it's playing with the money, right? It's one of those things I used to do with uh, PCs, for example. Um, <clears throat> we were complaining about, uh, or I was uh, waxing poetic about Lenovo on MSP Dispatch yesterday, uh, or actually the one that came out just before this episode, um, talking about Lenovo, right? Lenovo is notorious for uh, people finding better prices on the public Lenovo site than we get from distribution. Um, they're one of the worst that come, when it comes to that. Um, but we were talking about the Broadcom changes to the VMware partnership. Um, uh, yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're all pissed about it. 10,000 partners cut off. Um, but they're making it better. Um, go go watch MSP Dispatch if you didn't watch MSP Dispatch before here because we covered it. Um, but with that, with the uh, the Lenovo stuff, the problem is, or it's not, not just Lenovo, but clients will get ads and they will not know how to differentiate between a consumer PC and a business PC and blah, blah, blah. So when I would quote, and I did it a little differently, but when I would quote, I would, I would show the difference. I would make the PC part cheaper, the labor part larger. So overall, it's the same mm -hmm. damn cost, but to them, they're getting the PC at 300 bucks or 500 bucks or a thousand bucks instead of 1500 bucks small changes but the overall is still the same for me um they just it's psychology thing it's the walmart everything is 98 cents instead of 99 cents because you're saving a little bit and if it's on sale it's 97 cents it's the dumbest thing but it works or using a uh, medium to a large at the for a popcorn at the movie theater is only a quarter right one's 15 dollars one's 15 25 so you're like okay i'll get the large um it's just psychology well, and here's the other thing. I don't know about you. We didn't make very much on hardware anyway. So if yeah. it actually was somehow the same product at a better price, go buy it from them. Like it, it, it just didn't matter that much. Now, usually it wasn't, but it, you know, if they really could get the same thing, then I, I wasn't going to make a big issue about it. Yeah, that's um, the way I approach that. And I, I share it around. Uh, I'm all about expectations. I probably uh, say that ad nauseum people get tired of me saying that that and what's in the doc um but uh whatchamacallit um so with the pcs i would go in advance um the very first meeting i would have uh once they're signed once we're done discovery like you know they that we're at stable phase and whatever so now we're planning future stuff i would figure out a basic pc budget a power uh, manager pc budget and a power user PC budget, which usually ended up being the executives. Um, yeah. But we had those numbers set in advance, right? 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, whatever it was. So when they added users, I didn't have to quote a damn thing. I The hardware selection was up to me. I know for $2,000, I can absolutely get a business laptop, you know, an E-series, a T-series well, or whatever, right? Or even a lower end XPS. Um, so within those budgets, I had playroom and I still had revenue, but I stopped asking pay right? It's like, it's just as bad as the uh, subscriptions for like Netflix and Hulu and all that. Once you've said, okay, you forget how much is being taken out of your account. And it worked to our benefit. It made us more, um, it made mm -hmm. us more efficient. Uh, yeah. Most clients aren't going to go and like check the specs and, and like have strange desires for what they want in a PC. But if somebody did and they, they really got down to that level again it goes back to they're probably not the kind of client i want to be working with anyway um but i'm not really going to quibble over um i can get the same direct for this much right because for for bigger things you were deal deal registering them anyway and for mm -hmm. pcs you know whatever yeah, yeah well th th even that like the deal reg and stuff like that that takes extra time you know what i mean and yeah for those vendors yeah. that require the client information after the fact 
Um, good luck getting it for me, but you know, there's certain vendors that you have to do that to register warranties and stuff like that. Um, right. You know, it's there. Um, all right, so Kelvin uh, salvaged my comment when I said we're the same MSP and then he said something different. Um, so <laughs> we do charge them for the plan. If they grant us a project, we waive the cost or half the cost depending on the size of the client, which is exactly what I said before he joined of when we did discovery for MSP, we charged them for that discovery and the deliverables. Um, and then we would credit back half of it if they actually signed up with us. And the crediting back half didn't hurt us because we were charging onboarding regardless of any discovery we've done. Onboarding mm -hmm. discovery are not the same thing. Don't complete <clears throat> those. Don't lose out on revenue. Please, please, please. Um, so I think that uh, I think that's all we can possibly say on that subject, unless you have any more. We could beat it. it to death more if we need to. <laughs> I, I think we should move on. I think we should move on. Um, all right. So this next article, I, internal IT and MSP rivalries are annoying. And also those of you in the chat, I, Dean, Jonathan, uh, Kelvin, anybody else in the chat, um, if you have stories you want us to discuss, put them in the chat. We'll discuss them. Um, Ooh, this is right. a good topic. Yeah. All right. So Danny, go ahead and bring it up. Danny's producing for us today in the background. Uh, I'm new to the MSP world. And one thing I'm starting to notice is common amongst many clients we have. Not all, most are awesome to work with, but it's common, it doesn't make sense. Um, internal IT folks that said clients clearly don't like us, I would presume because they see MSPs as stealing their thunder as a job threat. Uh, I'm experienced, I've experienced myself as well, overheard others, bad experiences with internal IT, blah, blah, blah. Is this normal for MSP? I mean, we've, we've actually been 14,000 times, uh, but it's worth discussing. Um, and Danny's getting kudos uh, for producing. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So are we the bad guys uh, for internal IT? I, and I say we, you know, the royal we when we used to be MSPs, but are, are we? Yes. Guys? No. In fact, I, um, some of my favorite clients had internal IT. And, and, <clears throat> I think you can have a fantastic relationship with internal IT um, because those ones, when you pick up the phone and talk to them, you're talking to a peer, right? And you can talk to just like another coworker or sysadmin and be talking about the same type of level or the same types of things you would as one of your coworkers. It was a very easy conversation to have, right? You didn't have to translate anything. You didn't have to like come up with a car analogy for whatever you were about to talk about. Um, I thought it was was very nice. And in fact, I don't know about you, in those environments where they did have internal IT, for the most part, we were uh, supplementing them. So we didn't really have a lot of uh, like level one support stuff to deal with or any of that kind of thing. It was for um, projects that got over the internal IT department's head or like extra coverage or things like that. Um, man, they, they were fantastic clients. I, I would do more of them if I could. Yeah, I agree. It's it's one of those things that um, you don't have to explain. So I'll, I'll use my own office, for example. We had to restart the firewall today, um, which I'm call it. Uh, so I had to do it this morning before admin came in, which means that I completely forgot to do it until she came in. Um, so, but instead of saying I have to reboot the firewall because there's some issue with DHCP registrations and you know we want to clear out the cache. I said, I did the, the user thing. I said, I need to reboot the internet. It'll be down for a few minutes. Knowing how much pain that causes me internally when I hear I need to reboot the internet, because you and I both know <laughs> it's not the internet. It's, but um, 
yeah uh, the whole internet the whole internet we shut down everything um no that's uh czechoslovakia's uh, thing and if you wonder what the hell i'm talking about go check out their hor horrible history of taking over bgp routes but anyway um so but you don't have to do that to your point you don't have to do that with internal it right like they understand the point of an edr or an mdr they understand the point of sat they understand the point of a million things so you can be besties, right? Like, and I strongly yeah. recommend be their biffle, right? Be that their go-to. They should be your champion. We talked about champions in a previous episode. Um, they should be their champions. And it seems like Jonathan, uh, Jonathan has a uh, good experience. I've got two co-managed clients. They have one internal IT person who does level one stuff. I just resell them licenses, do their big projects, love their relationship. Yeah. I mean, it usually works out. I want... Um, whatchamacallit, uh, it usually works out one of two ways in my experience. And I'd love to hear what you, uh, you've come across. Um, but in me, the co-manage always worked out to one of these two. Either they were overwhelmed with tier one, tier two support, but they had the knowledge to do their own projects. So we provided uh, frontline support um, and usually some tools and stuff they wouldn't have access to. Um, or they had tier one and on-site support handled they needed somebody to do the design architecture the overall planning part of it because it was a little out of their scope right how many clients have we seen that they hired an it person the it person is somebody who watched some youtube videos and is still a teenager um, not yeah, to say there are not it people out there that are smarter than us that because they've been watching youtube videos i'm just saying that it's rare um there there were cases Though, in fact, this was often uncomfortable. So when, when we had the kind of relationship that the post described, right, where the IT person felt threatened, um, man, most of the time it's because they actually were threatened, right? Um, how many clients have you taken over where you knew the internal IT person was going to get canned within the first three months? They didn't know it, but the client told you that in confidence and you had to kind of work with them in the beginning. Those yeah. were awkward. Um, so, so what, what I have found is that for the most part, when that internal IT person feels threatened, it's because you either haven't defined the relationship well enough about who's responsible for what, or they have a legit reason for it because they're getting the boot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and that sucks. I mean, we've been there, right? <laughs> we're like, I know I've been there where the, I'm talking to a, a, a prospect and they're like, can we go meet at a Starbucks or can we meet at your office? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, somebody's getting fired. Okay. Yeah. I know where this is going. Um, you know, cause I, I usually prefer to do it in their place because you know, kill two birds, one stone kind of thing. Um, and I want to scope out, are they like working out of cardboard boxes or is this actual office with, you know, cubicles or desks or whatever it happens to be, uh, certain things you're never going to get over the phone. So, yeah. I uh so what you want to pull a spoon and see what the uh the comments said? I I predict that the comments are I'm gonna give give Reddit credit here. I think they're going to talk about the good potential for the relationship. All right, let's see what uh all right, roll for initiative, who's a frequent comment poster. Uh it's frustrating and common thing is if the MSP and internal IT are half decent, they can make an amazing team. What doesn't work if one of them are what doesn't work is if one of them are terrible. Uh yeah, no argument no there. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh sometimes they make it worse. Um 
you know, uh, they came to us for backups, get squared away. It was miserable working with them. Oh, as a friend moved to a new company, had a couple internal IT friend having worked with us, knowing we had procedures and organization down, which is also a major bonus for working with an MSP as far as co-manage. The documentation should be stellar. The, um, you know, the processes should be stellar because we do it every day. Uh, so internal IT went to HR bosses having us do stuff you'd only do if you're going to outsource our jobs they had no documentation oof that's rough that, that is like the worst uh interpretation oh, of what man. i feel bad for that um let's see if we have some partnership uh, some positives uh Brady, jazz drums. if you're gonna toss yeah. your internal it after hiring the msp like just do it like do it in st a, yeah. stick around for a, a week or two or however long it takes to transition and hmm. cut the cord Yes, absolutely. Like there, there's no reason you have to, I don't know. There's no reason you got to belabor the point. I'm, I'm the kind of person, if somebody wants to leave or I'm going to get rid of somebody, I'd rather terminate them immediately and give them a couple weeks severance than keep them on knowing they're going, to, I'm going to be terminating them or anything like that. It's just, it's not worth it to me. Um, all right, let's see. Oh, I like these. And I think this is squarely in, uh, in your, um, wheelhouse sorry danny i gave you no notice for this uh but i'll start reading it while he pulls it up and does the banners um which from call it <laughs> bring old yeller out back yeah sometimes just just get it done get the co-managed out or get the uh, internal it out um all right so this one is so how about those cybersecurity insurance <laughs> renewals forms it was a good comment <laughs> um how about those cybersecurity insurance forms a eh? uh Love, love me some Canadians. Oh boy. I'm filling out one right now that looks like it was designed in Excel 2010 and the format hasn't been updated since. Uh, if I let auto zoom, I can't read the hand size font and zoom to 100%. Okay, the form is bad. Um, it's not even addressing. Okay, yes. Question. The form might be bad. Yeah, I, I think the middle paragraph is probably more important uh, to us. Uh, not even addressing the contents. I'm new to sysadmin level role. Red flag one. Uh, I was T1, T2, so I acknowledge that maybe I don't know the acronyms, but why do I have to Google every single question? He's absolutely right. Um, yeah. That's all I wanted to vent because it's open on my monitor. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've been there. Uh, PCI. I, I'll tell you. Yeah. Oof, it's never fun. Um, it, it's not. And, Ray, what he's doing is all you can do because the reality yeah. of it is if you want coverage, you fill out the form. Yeah. Um, I'm not. So one of the things, one of the reasons I've talked about this before, one of the reasons I liked uh, regulated businesses is because most of the questions were the damn same thing. Um, it was, yeah. you know, do you have a segregated network? Do you have uh, restricted access via physical security controls and alerting? Do you have temperature control environment? Blah, 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 blah. They're all the same thing. So we would build a catalog of questions and answers so that when this stuff come up, it was just a matter of matching them. And if it was a new question, we'd add it, right? This way I could have a junior project manager. We did project managers or TAMs, the technical account managers, mm -hmm. um, would do these because I don't want my help desk doing this stuff. Um, but yeah, the TAM, for that. there are platforms for that. So we're vendor agnostic. I'm not, um, I'm speaking on this one because I know this most. Um, but they're not the only vendor that does it. Um, Fifth Wall, uh, one of the reasons their MSP program uh, is, uh, one of the reasons I like it so much is they aggregate all the questions because they're a carrier um, and, and they have the sub carriers. They aggregate all the questions. So you're doing one form, 
regardless of who it is. Um, mm -hmm. And it's more MSP, MSP friendly. Um, the acronyms, that's a whole other animal. I don't think acronyms should ever be on any forms you're collecting from a non-knowledgeable person. But that's me. Uh, am I wrong no, there? I, I, mean, I agree. I mean, I, I think, um, so if you're somebody, right, and assuming you're not doing Fifth Wall or any kind of um, consolidated vendor, just resign yourself to the fact that you are not going to change the insurance company's mind on any yeah. of this stuff. And... Yeah. Uh, just, just get through it. You, you will have a much easier time when you come to the conclusion that, like, you may be technically correct or be correct in the world of the looking through the best practice eyes or any of that stuff. Hmm. What they want is what they want, and just um, yeah, accept that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's committee. It's not a, uh, or I'm sorry, it's uh, they have all the power there. You're you're answering their questions. It's not like you can say no. I don't want to. <laughs> like I no, would come on Reddit and vent about it, right? That that's what you do. <laughs> or go into like Discord and and complain about it. You'll feel better. Yes, go to go to Discord. Go vent on our MSP. Go to vent on MSP Geek. I don't care. MRU, IT Pool Party, do wherever. Um, Lord knows we all know we all need the venting. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, what you call it. Uh, all right, so I'm looking at I'm looking at these stories here, and the reason. So like okay. the speed round is I can't see them beforehand. Though. I know, nor uh, so I know. So what I'm going to do? This is what happens when I used to be the guy that showed everything and uh, and what call it, and now it's uh, I have to work with others. Like we were just talking about um, this other one. I'm looking at vendor overbilling. Uh, Sage advice from a one. Oh, when I saw the link, I thought we were going to talk about like Peachtree or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, what should we call it? So the, the reason I'm bringing this up, normally we don't cover legal and, and uh, tax and all that stuff. And those are actually prohibited on our MSP. But this is Joe Cyber, who's, uh, who's knowledgeable in our industry and always sharing excellent information. So um I'll I'll give him a pass. Uh, Daniel Aston is on the legal side for MSPs. I'm on the insurance side. We've both had clients get nailed for crazy bills from vendors. As always, we're not giving official legal insurance advice. Thank you, Joe. Just trying mm -hmm. to help out the community. In this video, we walk through actionable steps after the bills come in to try to resolve the matter faster. What MSPs could do before signing contracts to try and minimize these issues in the future. Um, I know every time I've had a I've had a contract dispute or something like that. Um, it's always been, uh, I've always looked at actionable steps after the fact, how we could prevent that going forward with all our other vendors. Um, you know, it's a, it's a standard postmortem, right? Um, uh, so mm -hmm. we're telling people go watch the video. I definitely go watch the video. I cannot say I've watched it myself. Uh, but Joe is always providing really good, uh, content for the, for the group. So, um, I recommend it, but yeah, what, uh, have you come across that? Have you had overbilling? Because I'm sure all your vendors were always 100% accurate. Um, hell, even uh, Fred Vicola got on stage at DataCon last year and, and acknowledged the uh, the billing issues that Kaseya has had. Every vendor has billing issues. Every vendor. So We do. I work for a vendor. We have billing issues. So to that end, let's give some constructive feedback on how we've approached it as an MSP and how we approach it as vendors, how we think that should go. Um, <clears throat> so on the MSP side first... Did you have any tips and tricks at Iconic that, you know, helped you resolve these things more quickly, if possible? You know, I, I think it's the same almost universally. Like, 
from both the customer and provider side, whether that's client to MSP or MSP to vendor, um, everyone involved needs to acknowledge that billing issues are going to happen no matter how organized you are mm. and deal with them. The, the one piece of advice is <clears throat> to be to allow flexibility in your policies and internal procedures to deal for the weird things that come up. Like there is yeah. no worse answer than sorry, that's policy. Like every policy oh, can so be bad. deviated from it's everything. So bad. Like, don't do that to your clients, man. Like, you know what I mean? So we had a vendor actually speaking of, um, we were asking for certain things. It's a managed environment. We are the clients of the managed environment. So there's limited access to certain things. Um, mm -hmm. And we were asking for certain levels of access. Um, and the answer I kept getting was it's for security and compliance reasons. Ooh. To which you and I are both in the, that space. So I'm like, okay, completely get it. Give me the framework you're using. Give me the compliance thing you're using. So I know what the expectations are and I can work within those parameters. No problem. Mm -hmm. They could never give me one. Because don't tell me that that's not security and compliance reasons. That's policy decision internally, right? Security and compliance reasons means this is something you're applying from some framework. What risk or, are you protecting against here? Yeah. What are you protecting against? Oh. <laughs> You know, I, I later found out they had a misconfigured network and doing any kind of remote access would open you up to everybody. A la, you know, Meraki VPNs used to do this too. You couldn't segregate individual VPN endpoints. Mm, yeah. um, there was access to everybody, which is why one of the many reasons as a network engineer, I was not a fan of Meraki. Um, but uh, Meraki is great until you have to do something weird. <laughs> and, and, as the overcomplicated guy, everything I did was something weird. Um, so <laughs> yeah. not my use case. Uh, I have a good friend uh, that standardizes on Meraki, but it's specifically so his techs, they're better focused on other things. They don't need mm -hmm. to know deep level networking in those cases. Absolutely makes sense. I, I have no arguments against that. Uh, just not for me. So let's see here. Uh, so on the vendor side, I know you said it's the same on both sides, but... Um, it, it really is, right? Like, Oh, yeah, it, it is. It is. Acknowledge that this stuff is going to happen and empower the people who are uh, fielding these requests, right, to either have the flexibility to make exceptions and fix it or give them a conduit to get it in the hands of someone who can, right? Yeah. That, that's really the answer. Yeah, I, you know, it, it also realize... They're just people on the other side, right? And and you didn't say this explicitly, but I'm going to go ahead and extend what you said of it's really the mm -hmm. same conversation on both sides because it's an us thing, not an us versus Ed thing. It's an us, the vendor and the MSP trying to get it solved. Because while you're frustrated they're over, under, or incorrectly billing, they're also frustrated they have to waste time on this, right? Like it's something the system should have fixed to begin with, and they definitely didn't do it on purpose, I would think. Um and in most cases, the person you're talking to is not the person that can make the final decision. So realize that. Like, don't be a dick. <laughs> I think it's the easiest way to say that. Yeah, right. That, that's perfect <laughs> advice. Oh, so, <clears throat> you know, I uh, I was going to give you a pass. Um, I think I'm not going to. I'm looking for the, oh, there we go, the MMN post. Um, uh -oh. broad, yeah, yeah, Broadcom. Um so, as many of us have already heard, uh, Broadcom has um, 
they purchased VMware. The deal closed fairly recently, I want to say. Um, it was finally approved. Uh, mm -hmm. And they changed their partner program. Now, we covered on MSP Dispatch. That's why I included the link. Um, but the links to the actual articles are in there in the thread. So, um, whatchamacallit. So, their partner <laughs> program. They're not the only ones that did this. Uh, yeah, I'm getting worked up just thinking about it. At the moment. So, Broadcom buys VMware. Broadcom makes a decision uh, subsume uh, VMware's partner program into the overarching Broadcom partner program and make changes to better align the two. Everything up to there makes absolute sense to me in an MNA mm -hmm. structure. But then they started Dell. They started doing the Dell thing of, you know, remember Dell started killing partners access to uh, direct uh, premier and they wanted everybody to go distribution if you were below a certain financial threshold or whatever. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say uh, reps started calling my clients directly. That too. That too. That's a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole other ball of wax. Um, but VMware or Broadcom, Broadcom VMware um, actually made changes that and the changes aren't finalized yet. Like they haven't actually said 100% of what the changes are finally going to be, which is another point of frustration. But they cut out 10,000 partners. Now, to me, that's cart before the horse. If you have your partners that don't know the expectation of the partner program, right? Like if you're a tier one CSP with Microsoft, you know the financial commitments, you know the yes. compliance commitments, they're black and white as black and white as Microsoft can be with all their documentation, but they're, it's readable, right? Like you can get somebody um, to read it, but if they haven't defined the final partner program yet, why are they cutting off so many partners? Um, well, right. And, and you just talked about the answer to this, the, the CSP program. Um, this is one part of it that goes well, right? Like if you're a smaller VMware partner, there is no equivalent really to an indirect CSP in the new VMware program is you know, you have to kind of beg a big one to let you have some licenses. Yeah. that yeah, That's the frustration. It's super frustrating. It's super, super frustrating. And, you know, um, I use 3CX. 3CX is a competitor, so take this with a grain of salt. Um, but so just take the facts from me. Don't take my opinion. But 3CX did this, too. They changed their partner program. Um, I want to say 2022. So you were only getting uh, rewarded in the partner program on the point side for new license purchases. None of your renewals started counting when it used to count before. Um, you know, I get it. You want new blood, you want new business and all that stuff. I have a, I have a very uh, strong disliking of anybody that moves the goalposts for a partner program. Like that to me is disrespectful. If we're gonna change the partner program, I'm absolutely gonna grandfather in the people that had the old program. I'm not going yeah. to change it on them, right? <clears throat> like it's a slap in the face. It's, uh, and that's not just 3CX. I want to be clear. Many <laughs> programs have done this, right? Um, SonicWall killed their Has program. They left the, uh, I forget what distributor it was, Securematics, then went direct. And now they're with, uh, I forget who they distribute through. Um, don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Don't care. <laughs> they got rid of the Has program, so I couldn't <laughs> care less anymore. Um, but you get what I'm saying? They, they, they Evolution happens all the time, but you have to take care of how you're going to treat your existing partners, how you're going to not screw up their business. Because how many of us mm. have built our businesses on certain technologies, right? Yeah. Like if Microsoft kicked, I'll use Kelvin example. 
if Microsoft, yeah, now I'm going to get banned by uh, 3CX. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be the first, and but that's another, that's a, that's a nighttime with drink discussion. Um, but what should we call it? But like Kelvin, for example, I'm sure he figured out he's a smart guy. He has a great team over at Lime Networks. But if Microsoft killed his partnership, I bet that would torch a good portion of his business. Right. Yeah. And, and you have to recognize your vendors can do that. They can absolutely do that. Um, knowing that, was that something you ever planned ahead to kind of mitigate that risk? Um, it's something that you, you you plan for in a risk assessment. So it, it definitely is something you think about. And it's no different than um, considering the partner might go out of business one day or yeah. might discontinue the product one day. So you do have to consider that. Yes. Um, the likelihood, though, is usually low enough that you, you don't necessarily have a playbook you pull out for when that happens, but it is something that we think about. Um, oh. <laughs> Poor Matt. <laughs> oh, it was such a great uh, point. No, it wasn't. I yeah, was just was finishing my, <laughs> my sentence, right? You, you, know you think about it, but the likelihood is low. No, you do. Um, uh, whatchamacallit. Um, uh, what was I going to say? The likelihood <laughs> is okay. So, likely, sorry, the 3CX comment threw me off, and then I was going to make a yeah. See, the, Dean said exactly the thing I was thinking. Um, 3CX luckily got Matt. <laughs> there, Nick was trying to go after me, and then he kicked Matt off instead. Great, just got um, the wrong one. Yeah, but so to that end, um, because I'm uber paranoid and I'm always looking for. Um, I'm always looking for ways to bring him back in or to protect myself. I have, I <laughs> every single year to, uh, at my vendors. And if I had to replace him, what's out there, it does, a, it does a couple things for me and, and yearly may be aggressive for a lot of people. We have the structure for it. So we're okay. Um, it, it is a significant amount of work. Um, but reviewing the platforms. So we know what the options are. And it gives us two things. It gives us a, we know who we'd move to if we wanted to move because of X things, who's closest mm -hmm. to the solution. B, it reminds us and lets us recommit to whatever application or vendor we're using because we've now reviewed and acknowledged they're still our primary choice for this space. Um, we always joke about like, you know, it's our, it's Wednesday, switch your RMM, RMM and fire your client or, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> We, we joke about these things and shiny object syndrome, which is 100% true. Um, mm -hmm. Which Oh, that's another thing. VMware got rid of free, free XI, yeah. XI. But also, it's 300 bucks for like the three licenses for the base one. Like, if you are if you can't pay 300 bucks, don't do it commercially. Um, and I'm totally not counting any of my personal lab machines. Well, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, labs are gone now. That's the big thing. <laughs> they are. Um, but I would argue building labs in Hyper-V locally is far is just as easy and maybe sometimes easier because it's built into, you know, any professional version of Windows. Yeah, um, no, it is. Now, as a public infrastructure, I absolutely prefer VMware. Like if we're hosting something and a lot of our infrastructure is VMware, it's paid. Um, but, uh, you know, we, uh, which we'll call it, uh, you know, it is. Anyway, so... <laughs> You know, but that recommitment to knowing this is the tool I still like, this is the tool I'm going forward, um, you know, obviously, and acknowledging there's a high barrier to entry, I think that still deserves that exercise deserves to happen, right? Yeah, I, I think, and you, I'm going to expand on your point that 
This is a risk. Uh, so when you're doing third-party risk assessments, there's really something like eight types of risk, and this is one of them. And, and another one is this is a risk if you're using something that's very specific or bleeding edge that has no alternative. Um, that's a significant risk too, right? Like say you found the absolute perfect whatever software, right? Um, if they go out of business you and they have no competitors, uh, you're in trouble as an organization, depending on how important that is to your operations. I, I agree 100%. Um, so Jonathan mentions, uh, there, I found the video. I wanted to make sure I had it. Uh, he's talking about Tom Lawrence. Tom Lawrence is a huge, huge fan of XC XCPNG. Um, this is a link to his video where he talks. About, he's actually done several videos on it. Um, XCPNG, I believe, is open source. If not, it's absolutely freeware. I believe it's open source mm -hmm. as well um, and can be used for commercial application, if I understand correctly. I, I know um, Tom does an amazing job of actually covering like what the licenses are and what it means for your application. He does a great job. Um, so go check out Tom at Lawrence Systems. Uh, if anybody wants to watch that, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, all right, so, but even that, if it's an open source platform, it could absolutely change. We had this with TailScale. We had TailScale for two years, and then they changed uh, they changed goalposts on us, and we had to move over to, uh, uh, we went over to Cloudflare for everything. But still, you know what I mean? It was like, it wasn't a small lift, and it was like an immediate, uh, it was jarring to be told, hey, you need to move, and we found because they cut off our access. So we didn't get remote <laughs> access to stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we're trying to log in, and then there was a support ticket because there was no notice. And then via the support ticket, they finally said, "Oh yeah, after 24 hours, oh yeah, it's a matter of, um, you know, we you don't qualify for this anymore. We have uh, we had to revoke access chain. You need to change your tier, um, which sucked. There was no notice. They sucked. Um, That's cool. Yeah, and so because we have done the yearly reviews and we always have backups for all of our systems, we knew immediately we were going to move to work. Cloudflare work. Um, and we had already done the due diligence on, and you know, we hadn't done a, a deployment plan yet. We hadn't done uh, documents and education to the staff yet, but we were prepared to do so much, much more quickly because we'd been reviewing uh, every single year. Um, so I think it actually took us 48 hours to get Warp uh, configured, loaded into Intune, deployed out to the endpoints, and notified the staff, create the documentation, notified the staff of the new changes. Um, mm -hmm. So, which is ridiculously fast for a remote access solution. Um, but it was because we were prepared. So with that, um, damn, you, you said we were doing rapid fire, but we took the whole hour. <laughs> we went uh, pretty good. Um, yeah, data centers hate this one simple trick. Um, <laughs> what should we call it? So I want to close with something really awesome I'm very proud of. Um, MMN has started the Channel Impact Awards as of this year. Uh, every, I believe it's every quarter, we will review another group, uh, another segment of our space, and ask for open nominations for whomever wants to uh, nominate for that space. Um, this first series, we're covering women in tech um, because it's an underserved, underrepresented minority in our space. Um, the numbers are anemic. Uh, I'm the proud father of a female engineer. Uh, my company is actually, I think 60% uh, women, um, you know, including leadership, not just sales or marketing and HR, um, <laughs> which always seems to be the case. Um, so I say that because, you know, if you have somebody, this is not 
looking for executives. This is not looking for people that have the highest revenue numbers. There's there's already lists for that, right? Like you can already go and and there's people that, that cover those lists. I don't care about that. I'm looking for any woman that has had a an impact on anyone um, in your space. If you've seen somebody looking out for somebody else, somebody that took somebody under their wing and started introducing them to people, um, somebody that got you into doing something you weren't comfortable doing, like public speaking and, and enabled you to do that, that's what I'm looking for. Um, doesn't have to be executives. Doesn't it could be a vendor? It could be a client, uh, an MSP. It could be, you know, a consultant or space, which is a vendor. But that's another conversation. Um, but any women in our space, and I know Matt, you and I both know amazing women in our space. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with some amazing women. Uh, she's not at MS, uh, She's not at Connectwise anymore. But Amy Lucia. Um, uh, oh, I love her to death. I absolutely love her to death. But you guys have had so many amazing people over there. Um, you know, Corey Lehman, uh, so many people. I'm not going to go down the list because it's a long list. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so we're going to run the promo and uh, we'll close it out. But before we do, Matt, uh, anything you want to close with before we take off? Close with, um, man, I, I want to expand on my point about third-party risk. I just love talking about it. <clears throat> yeah, we, we can go another hour in the uh, MMN right? stage. Right, it's not we'll just it uh, not just yeah. checking their SOC two report. Yes, um, and actually, that's something we're working on with Adam Wilford, uh, uh, who worked over at uh, with Bob Coppage, Simplex, and now uh, Adams elsewhere. Um, Kevin Dekayevich is my CTO for OIT, um, and obviously, he used to work with Adam. Um, and so, we're doing a due diligence thing. We're working on. I'm definitely going to rope you into it. Um, Dean brings up an amazing point. Uh, an amazing woman at MMN is running the program. And yes, while I support it, while I'm absolutely an ally and I absolutely, it's super, super important to me. I wanted to make sure this was run by a woman in the channel, not myself. Um, Mm -hmm. So Logan, uh, who's our community manager for OIT and MMN, she has spearheaded the whole damn thing. Um, She selected judges. She created the criteria. Um, I provided minimal import uh, input other than asking for this thing to be done. She has absolutely taken over. Uh, there you go, Logan. I've been summoned. <laughs> um, nice. So if you have questions, uh, the judges are um, – help me out, Logan. The judges are uh, Logan, Alex, Alexandria Boyd at OIT, uh, Heather Johnson at Goes Into Eureka, um, myself. I'm missing one, and I'm going to get in trouble for missing one. Logan will tell me who it is. Um, we have five judges. <laughs> uh, you can't leave out just one. Now you're really insulting the one person. So I think out. it'll be on the promo. And actually, here's a call to action. It's absolutely on the nomination link. Um, <laughs> so go to the nomination link to find out who all the judges are. And they're all in the MMN Discord, so you can come over. Um, Tara Sum- Tara Rummer had a... I love Tara with Emmybot uh, and Immense Technologies. Um, had a great episode on Gone Fishing, which is Finn Security's uh, episode. And actually, I'll be on their 100th episode. Maybe Jamie didn't want me to say that, but uh, I'll be on their 100th episode. Super great. Finn, uh, Finn's Gone more. Fishing is actually a pretty cool thing. Yeah, not anymore. They're going to kick me <laughs> off. <laughs> so with that, everybody, we appreciate you. Uh, take care of yourselves and each other. And uh, let's continue the conversation in Discord. Go go ping Matt and tell him, tell him how much you love the new VMware program. So, <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right. Thank you, dude. Bye, guys. Here at the MSP Media Network, we have a greater responsibility 
to recognize women not just for their accomplishments, sales, productivity, and products, but for their direct impact on the MSP channel. Our newest show, Channel Impact Awards, will spotlight the mentorship, charitable works, and behind the scenes, above and beyond behavior that often goes unrecognized. Our first season of Channel Impact Awards will award women of the channel for their incredible contributions. We hope you'll join us in our commitment to highlighting the exceptional women of the MSP channel. Please scan the QR code on your screen now to nominate a woman you know for the Channel Impact Award. You have two weeks to nominate someone you know. Stay tuned on the MSP Media Network for more information on the Channel Impact Awards, including our esteemed panel of judges and the first set of award-worthy nominees. broadcast of the MSP Media Network.